Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Rumblings, Podcast 138. This time there is a remake of a game that I loved in my childhood called Mule Returns for iOS. And I finally finished the main game for Batman Arkham Origins, so I have some closing thoughts for that. And that's all I have for this time. Hopefully you'll enjoy the show. One of the games I spent quite a lot of time with when I was younger was called Mule. And that's actually M-U-L-E, all in capitals with periods because it stands for something, I forget what. But that showed up in 1983, 30 years ago. It originally came out for what would basically be the equivalent now of console systems. Mule Returns for iOS is an extremely faithful, if not exact, remake of the original Mule. Since most won't be familiar with what Mule is, it is basically a computer board game. We don't see too many of them these days. But basically there are a number of plots of land, and the player will play against three computer opponents in this version, but in the original version you could play up to four players. I think they are adding that potential later for Mule Returns. But turns will cycle, and players basically pick one plot of land. And on that plot of land, you can build production for various things. You can grow food, you can gather energy, you can mine for ore. Or in, I believe, later game, under certain conditions, you can gather crystals. Supply and demand of the colony will be based on what the players use, and what the players need for their land. And random events may occur during the turn, which will alter production of various things. As example, for energy, there could be sunspot activity, which increases production, or there could be storms, which decrease production. Back in the day, the game was praised for being really good at teaching basic-level economics to young people. Because at the end of each turn after the production, you'll go through a buying and selling phase. So depending on if you have surplus, you know, extra of what you produced and you don't need it, you can sell it to other people. Or if you're short, you can try and buy it. And so there's this whole supply and demand based around each of the various commodities. And, you know, prices will vary depending on supply and demand. Mule returns is a really good reproduction of the old-school game, but it has sort of new-school charm built into it. I know you can play it on iPad, but I have an iPhone, so I'm playing it on that. And on iPhone, it does kind of have some issues. You move by holding the direction you want to go on the board, meaning that a lot of the screen is blocked up by your finger. So it's kind of hard to see where you're trying to move your character, you know, unless you put you know, your finger from the outside in, which is kind of difficult sometimes. 
And since your turn is based on a timer, you know, that can be problematic, you know, and it, it causes you to burn up extra time. Also, the screen being so small and the elements being so small are, again, you know, very easily blocked or difficult to see because, you know, that small screen and where you have to position your finger. During the auction phase, there are plus or minus buttons on the side of the screen to move up or down, you know, to sell or buy, depending on what you're doing. They work okay, but I really would have liked to have seen sort of a tilt option built into it where it sort of starts the auction, and whatever angle you're holding the phone at, or iPad, I guess, would be sort of the base, and so you could tilt up or down. You know, that would have been really nice for this kind of device. Having to push an old-school up or down button kind of seems like they didn't really expand on the basic idea, you know, some 30-plus years ago, when players were using a joystick. For a rating, I would give it 3 out of 5 stars, It's fun, but I wouldn't say it's really highly replayable, being that right now you can only play against the AI. I guess if they do bring in multiplayer with other actual people, it might be more replayable. I remember the funnest times being when I did have friends over and, you know, we played, you know, multiplayer on the one unit. That would be, you know, impossible to do with these devices, but you could do it through, you know, online multiplayer, which I think would help. But again, I think a lot of the charm really is based around that face-to-face interaction. I paid 5 bucks for it at launch, which is sort of common these days for iPhone games, it seems. But to me, it feels a little bit pricey, and it should be a little bit lower. Maybe I would say, you know, I would have been really happy with 2 or $3. But I guess if you are looking for a board game type game on your phone, and you are looking for old-school charm this wouldn't be too bad of a game to pick up. So as I said, I have some closing thoughts for Batman Arkham Origins. I don't know how long it took me to beat. It took quite a while. I would make just a rough guess that it was probably somewhere around 20 hours. There is tons to do in terms of side quest kind of stuff, much like Arkham City before it. The side quest bosses, though, which is most of the boss fights, are more often than not just a bunch of button mashing. There's no real strategy to them. They're often even just kind of one minion among a bunch of other minions. And there isn't really anything special required to take them down. I mean, they might have like a special power or something, but it's not like the first two fights where I said, you know, they were very different and stood out. It seems like in general with the game, the deeper you get into it and the higher level you become, the more the combats just become more and more and more bad guys. You know, early in the game, you're just fighting a few bad guys. But by the end, it seems like you're just constantly fighting huge groups of, you know, a dozen or two dozen guys at a time. It seems to be less about strategy and more just about numbers and survival. Arkham Origins has a lot more in common with Arkham City than not. 
Again, feeling more like it's just a big downloadable content patch for Arkham City than it is its own actual game. Also, even though the talent system originally felt very flexible and open, the more side quests you do and the more levels you gain, the more you'll just wind up taking pretty much every talent there is. And oftentimes, when you do get a new talent, it doesn't really feel all that different in terms of gameplay. Overall, I would give it a final score of 3.5 to 4 stars out of 5, or maybe 75% if you're into percent, primarily based on the fact that there are so many fights that are purely button mashing and, you know, just action combat. The first few fights I talked about, which were kind of strategic and interesting and were, you know, a promise of something different for the series, really got left by the wayside. I didn't really see any bosses after that that were like that. It was pretty much all straight up button mashing after that. Though you did get a bit of interesting cutscene story when you beat the boss. You know, it wasn't those same kind of altered combat that had quick time mixed in that made those first combats so interesting. It was just straight up numbers of, you know, huge hordes of guys and then, you know, the boss and the boss was just mixed in with the rest of them. They didn't seem all that special or interesting. Those who love the first two Batman Arkham games will love this one. But for those who are looking for something more out of a third game in the series, aren't going to find it here. It's pretty much exactly the same thing as the previous game. Just, you know, with a different story arc and different characters. As a side note, I did note that there is now downloadable content called Initiation which apparently is only available to you if you buy the $20 season pass. So that seems a bit pricey. I did skim a review that did say it was about 20 hours worth of extra content, so it does seem like it would be quite worth it. But it does seem like a pretty big initial investment, since that is almost, you know, 50% of what you paid for the original game just a few months ago. So again, if you like the previous Arkham games, you'll like this one quite a bit. But it's not anything amazingly revolutionary in terms of how, you know, the game actually plays. In the middle of the earth, in the land of Shire, lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire. With his long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes, he lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Not much for the news this time. The next Hobbit movie, The Desolation of Smog, is due out on December 13th, which is just a week from now. 47 Ronin, which looks pretty cool, but it features Keanu Reeves as the main save-everybody kind of hero from the looks of the movie, which always makes me go, yeah... The trope of the great white savior, you know, the one who is, you know, not of us will save us all, kind of makes me cringe a little. But I hear this is an adaptation of an existing story, so I'm willing to give it a chance. It looks pretty cool. There's a lot of cool magic slash fantasy stuff in it that looks very interesting. So I'll probably go check it out. It comes out in a few weeks on Christmas, December 25th. And that's it for the news. Open Klingon style. 
Rockman style. So I guess that's it for this week's Rabbit Swamblings podcast. No Pirate's Treasure hasn't been one in quite some time. I would like to sort of add to my comments about Mule. I think the fact that it was such a faithful reproduction of the old school game that it didn't quite seem as charming to me as it could have. I have a lot of memories about this cute little fun game. And, you know, they are 30-year-old memories, pretty much. You know, although I did play it for years after launch. But I think that nostalgia of old-school games reproduced, you know, with just new media still being in their old-school state isn't really the best option. And it probably is for Mule. But one of my favorite PlayStation 3 games that I played probably the most was called Super Stardust HD which is basically Asteroids times, you know, 11 billion. And one of the coolest games I'm looking forward to for PlayStation 4 is called Rezogun, made by the same people, which basically, you know, is Defender times 11 billion. So I think something like that, where you're taking an old school game and remaking it with sort of a new school spin, not just, you know, updating it, would be the way to go for games that are, you know, old school Speaking of the PlayStation 4, I've decided to say, you know, F the tax people. They take like several months, you know, in between each reply. And as I said before, you know, I'm not supposed to owe them anything. I shouldn't have to pay them this 500 bucks because they said, you know, originally I wouldn't owe them anything because of all my debt. So I'm going to keep trying to fight that as much as I can. And, you know, if they do demand it, I'll just tell them, you know, you're going to have to wait until I get my tax return to pay it off. So in theory, once I get paid again on Thursday after this podcast comes out, I should have enough money to pick up a PlayStation 4 whenever it comes in. I'm kind of sad I didn't quite have enough already. I did see five appear in stock, and then like five minutes later after that they were gone again, which is not really surprising. All the other times I've checked, there have been none in stock. I think I might just wait a few weeks anyways. Because that way, you know, I don't have to worry about the fact that, you know, I might be taking a PlayStation 4 away from, you know, some youngling out there who would get it under the tree otherwise. Because, you know, I don't need it by Christmas. I'm not, you know, getting it for a present. I'm just getting it for me. And honestly, outside of Rezogun, there really isn't anything I would really want to play on it. And sure, there might be one or two games I might want to rent, you know, but nothing that I couldn't wait for, certainly. And the stuff that I really do want to play, you know, isn't going to come until like February or March, you know, at the soonest anyways. So I don't know. Um, I'll hopefully have one soon and, you know, be able to talk about it. But I guess that is it for this time. Can't think of anything else to say. So hopefully I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks. Bye. In the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room, all the birds sing words and the flowers croon. In the tiki 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 room, our show is delightful. We hope you'll agree. We 
hope that it fills you with pleasure and glee. Because if we don't make you feel like that, we're gonna wind up on the lady's hat. In the tiki 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 room, in the tiki 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 room, all the birds sing work and the flowers croon. In the tiki 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 room. Tune in tomorrow. Same bat time. Same bat channel. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdot.com. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.